Let us pray. O Lord, our governor, how exalted is your name in all the world. What are we that you should be mindful of us, that you should seek us out? And yet, indeed, you do seek us out and draw us ever into the mystery that is you. We ask you to draw us today closer to your heart, that we may come to know and to believe and to love and to dwell with you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We sang those words as we began our worship this morning. It's a beloved hymn one of the grandest and most familiar of Christian hymns and pretty much a a staple on this Sunday of the liturgical year, the Festival of the Holy Trinity, a staple at least unless you come to the 7.30 service where we don't get to sing any hymns. (laughs) It's an unusual occasion for Christians. Most of the special holy days on our calendar celebrate some event in the life of Christ, His birth at Christmas, his death on Good Friday, his resurrection on Easter, his ascension into heaven. Last week when the bishop was here, we celebrated Pentecost, again an event, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. But this festival is different. It's the only festival in the church that commemorates not an event, but a doctrine. And that makes it a difficult and challenging day for a preacher. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that Father Seth often manages to be gone on Trinity Sunday. (laughs) And when we were figuring out who would preach today, you could almost see the relief on Father Mark's face when I volunteered. (laughs) I remember back many decades ago when I was going through the process of approval for ordination One of the questions the committee asked me was how I would explain the doctrine of the Trinity to a 10-year-old. And I have no idea what I said, but I guess it was acceptable because here I am. But I was a lot smarter then. For me, the Trinity has only gotten more mysterious as I've gotten older. And I mean that in a good way, of course. Perhaps one of the most important things to say about the doctrine of the Trinity is that it helps us remember that God is beyond our comprehension. That does not relieve us of the obligation and the joy to try to know God as he's been revealed to us. And in this way, our relationship with God is like our relationships with anyone that we love. You know, I often used to say to couples whose wedding I was going to perform that they may think they know each other pretty well, but they're really only beginning to know each other. Because in a relationship, there's always more to discover. There's always more to learn as that relationship grows and deepens. And I think that our gospel lesson this morning helps us to understand this in a very profound way. In the brief passage from John, Jesus begins with a statement that I personally find to be one of the most encouraging and reassuring in all of Scripture. I still have many things to say to you, he says, 
but you cannot bear them now. If there ever was a word meant for us, that's it. We have not learned everything there is to know about God and about his plans for us. Maybe when we were children, we went to Sunday school and learned to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, that's an important concept to learn, of course, but it's just the beginning. There's so much more. Maybe we went to some kind of confirmation class or youth group, maybe when we were teenagers and and we learned something more about the Bible or the creeds or the church. But there's so much more. Some of us even studied theology in college or in graduate school. But there's so much more to learn. I think one problem for us is that we want to learn something and then be done with it. You know, you learn your multiplication tables and you think you've accomplished everything there is to do with multiplication. Kind of like the teenage girl who was attending a formal dinner party and she happened to be seated next to a very famous astronomer. What do you do, she asked. And he replied, well, I study astronomy. And at this, she expressed great surprise. You study astronomy at your age? I learned astronomy in seventh grade. (laughs) Of course, she misunderstood. When we begin to learn, there are no boundaries. There's always more to learn, more to understand. And and that's even more true of faith than of any other aspect of life. God always has more for us to learn, but God knows that we can only understand a little bit at a time. We cannot bear too much, Jesus says. But that's why he goes on to say this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, our own understanding will never, by itself, lead us into a deeper relationship with God. We need a guide, one who can take us to places that we would never discover by ourselves. And that guide is the Holy Spirit. Lois and I recently watched an episode of PBS's American Experience entitled Into the Amazon. Anybody watch that? It was on maybe last season or the one before. It's the story of Theodore Roosevelt's expedition after his electoral defeat in 1912 into the rainforest of the Amazon through one of the most remote and mysterious places on the face of the earth. And of course, Roosevelt, for all his courage and experience, could never have done this by himself. He had a guide the Brazilian explorer Candido Rondon, one of the few people who had ever even penetrated this spectacular but thick and dangerous jungle, traveling along what was called the River of Doubt. It was not, as you can imagine, an easy journey, but it would have been utterly impossible without a guide. And that's how it is with our journey of faith. It's often difficult. It's sometimes spectacular. It's always challenging. Sometimes we feel like we're traversing a river of doubt in our own hearts and minds. 
But in the Holy Spirit, we've been given a guide whose task is to lead us ever deeper into the mystery that is our merciful and mighty God, whom we come to know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on to say that the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's a tough verse to understand, so let's see if we can unpack it. Maybe you can imagine what the disciples were feeling at this point in John's Gospel. It's right before Jesus' passion. It's in the upper room. It's in what's called the farewell discourse. And the disciples knew, or they were beginning to know, that Jesus, their teacher, their friend, their master, was not going to be with them much longer. There were so many things that they still wanted to know. So many questions that still lurked in their hearts and minds. Today is Father's Day. My own father died 25 years ago, but just the other day I was thinking, oh, I wish I could go back and ask him about, you know, what it was isn't important, but you, you know what I mean. After someone we love is gone, we often wish that we had asked about one thing or another. And that's what the disciples were anticipating. So when Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will not speak on his own, he's reassuring the disciples that after he's gone from their sight, they will continue to be taught by the Holy Spirit. And and that what the Holy Spirit teaches them will be just what Jesus himself would have them know. See, that's one thing we can say about the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they speak with one voice. The Holy Spirit cannot contradict the Son any more than the Son can contradict the Father. There have been many times through the long history of the church when one or another person or group has claimed to have some new revelation from the Holy Spirit, some new teaching that seems to contradict what has been taught before. And what Jesus says here is, is a warning that we need to be very careful about that. Jesus led his disciples ever deeper into the mystery of God, and the Holy Spirit continues to do that for us, but God does not contradict himself. Jesus himself had said that he came not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And what the Holy Spirit does, we might say, is also to fulfill the word of God who is Jesus Christ. Then Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will declare to you the things that are to come. That's maybe the hardest part of this whole passage. I don't think it means that the Holy Spirit tells us the future. If that's what it means, the Holy Spirit hasn't done that job very well because none of us has ever proven to be very good at predicting the future. A better way to approach it might be like this. It's the Holy Spirit who continues to teach us and thus helps us to navigate the future, to guide us into the things that are to come. We believe, for example, that it was the Holy Spirit who led the apostles to understand that the gospel was for all nations, not just for their own nation of Israel. It was the Holy Spirit 
that led the early church to a deeper understanding of the Trinity as they confessed what we now call the Nicene Creed. It was the Holy Spirit who led the Reformers to a recovered understanding of the good news that we are saved by God's grace and not by our own merit or works. Oh, we live in such a different world from that of the 1st century or the 4th century or the 16th century, but it is still the Holy Spirit who has led the church through all those centuries of change, taking us ever deeper into the heart of God while helping us understand how to navigate those changes in the way that Christ would have us do. And that is what the Holy Spirit does, not just for the whole church, but for you and for me. The Holy Spirit teaches us about Christ. The Holy Spirit guides us ever deeper into the mystery of God and and helps us to know every day how to walk faithfully through all the changes in this world and all the changes in our lives. That Holy Spirit is indeed, as St. Paul says, a gift by which God has poured his love into our hearts. And you know, in another sense, the Holy Spirit does declare to us the future, for through the Holy Spirit, we know that our future is with God. We are on a journey, yes, and the Holy Spirit is our guide. It's sometimes a difficult journey. We do not and cannot know all the twists and turns of the journey, but we can be certain of its end. We are returning to the Father and to Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who in the unity of the Holy Spirit are one God whom we worship and glorify. Let me leave you with this prayer to the Holy Spirit, words written by Martin Luther, shine in our hearts, O Spirit, precious light. Teach us, Jesus Christ, to know aright, that we may abide in the Lord who bought us till to our true home he has brought us. Lord, have mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.